The Old Testament lesson for today is from Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 32. This can be found on page 32 of your Pew Bible. The renaming of Jacob brings to a climax a lifetime of struggling with others. Jacob has finally come to realize the significance of receiving God's blessing instead of pursuing self-promotion through his own schemes. A reading from Genesis chapter 32, beginning with the 22nd verse. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jacob. Then he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Things hadn't gotten off to a very good start. Even while the twins were still in their mother's womb, the mom, Rebecca, said, it feels like the children are warring within me. And she cried out to God and she said, why is this happening to me? And then on the day they were born, well, the the first baby came out And he must have had a full head of hair or something because they named him Esau, which means hairy. (laughs) But the second twin to come out, this crazy thing was going on. He was holding on to the heel of his older brother Esau. So they named him Jacob, which means supplanter or usurper. It seems that the struggle, the wrestling match that was going on inside Rebecca's womb had lasted right up until the day of the birth. And Jacob, it seems, really wanted to come out first. It was a really big deal back in that day to be the firstborn son. Because if you were the firstborn son, you got all of the inheritance from the father, all of it. It was your job to split it with the rest of the family, but you received all of the inheritance, all of the blessing, all of the prosperity of the household. So young Jacob, the younger twin, as it were, 
wrestled with Esau, his older brother, even in the womb, even on the day of their birth, because he thought he deserved first place. They grew up, and um, Esau, the hairy one, he, he was kind of a man's man as they grew older. He liked going out in the fields and hunting game. And Jacob, the younger brother, he was more of a mama's boy. He liked to stay home and cook with mom. And one day, Esau was out in the field, and he didn't catch any game. And he came back home, and he was really, really hungry. And he came in, and he saw that Jacob, the younger twin, had been cooking, and he had some delicious-smelling lentil stew. And Esau was so hungry, he said, I I would do anything for that bowl of soup. And Jacob, the younger brother, saw an opportunity. And he said, I'll sell it to you. The price is your birthright. Esau must have been really hungry that day. (laughs) He said, sure, and he made the exchange. So somehow, Jacob, this younger twin, had wrestled his way even on that day. He truly was a supplanter, a usurper, a schemer, and he figured out how to get that birthright. Time went on. A little bit later, they realized their father, Isaac, was possibly in his last days. And Jacob, the younger twin, really wanted something even more than the birthright. He wanted a blessing from his father, Isaac. You see, Isaac was the son of Abraham, and Abraham had been given this blessing by God that the whole world would be blessed through his family. And this blessing from God carried a lot of weight. And Jacob understood that, and he knew that Esau was going to get the blessing as the firstborn son, and that the world would be blessed through his family line, but Jacob wanted it, and so he wrestled for it, and so he schemed for it, and he worked with his mom to figure out a way to trick Isaac into giving that blessing that was due Esau to Jacob instead. Well, as you might imagine, Esau didn't really like this behavior from his little brother, And over time, he began to hate Jacob more and more and more. And in fact, when Isaac was in his last days, Esau vowed, he said, when my father dies, I will kill Jacob. There's a lot more to this story. I want to show you a family tree just to know where we are in the biblical story. We're going through the Old Testament narrative, I've given you just a little snapshot of part of the story that we're going to unpack here in a few minutes. But you see here where it says Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. The laser pointer's back, everybody. I've been so excited to use it. This is where we are in the family tree. The Bible talks about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's where we are right now in this biblical story. There's a whole story going on here with Abram and Sarai and God's promise to bless them and Abram going outside his marriage to Hagar, but we don't have time for all that today. Abram finally has Isaac and the blessing that God had given Abram is going to go through Isaac. He marries uh, Rebekah and they have these two twins that ward within Rebekah's womb. And you'll see here that Jacob ends up taking two wives. There's a whole story there too where Jacob wrestled even his father-in-law in how to marry these women. He just wrestled with everybody 
Everywhere he went, all through life, he was wrestling, he was supplanting, he was usurping, he was scheming. But through Jacob's relations with these women, he ends up having 12 sons. And these become the 12 tribes of Israel with names like Benjamin and Reuben and Joseph, who you all probably know a bit about. We're going to hear more about that as the story goes on. But here we are in this moment of the story. You can take that slide down, Max. And I want to just set up that background before we reread today's story. Jacob has been wrestling and scheming and supplanting his whole life, especially when it comes to his relationship with his older brother, who now hates him, who has vowed to kill him. And Jacob believes that his brother is going to kill him any day, so he's on the run. Now, Jacob is living in total fear. Knowing all of that background, I want to pick up the story that Bonnie read for us. We're going to read it again. And I'm going to pause at a few moments to just kind of zoom in on some things in this story. Then we'll have a couple of takeaways for us at the end. Verse 22 of chapter 32. The same night, Jacob arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. Why is Jacob doing that? He's trying to keep his family safe because he believes that his brother Esau is coming after them to kill them. So he sends his wives and children over the river, and then it says, and Jacob was left alone. If this was a movie, this would be the moment when the director clears away everything else on the screen and just zooms in on the main character. Jacob. He's left alone. What is our main character thinking at this moment? Maybe he's thinking that all of his plans and schemes have finally caught up to him. And this will be the last day of his life. His brother will come at any moment. Maybe he's just so fed up with this lifestyle of scheming and running that he just needs a rest. He just needs a break. But here is Jacob alone, the one who has wrestled with everyone, everywhere throughout his whole life. The verse continues. And a man, it says, wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. This younger twin, Jacob, who had wrestled with everyone his whole life, finally he's left alone and something has shifted in the equation. A man comes along and wrestles with him until the breaking of the day. We're going to find out later in the narrative that this is not just some ordinary man. This is some kind of divine being. This is possibly an angel. And this divine being, this angel, has chosen Jacob all alone to wrestle with him. Verse 25, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, I want to stop right there. This angel may not have realized just how scrappy Jacob, the usurper, the supplanter, the wrestler was. He, the angel, touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. The angel had possibly allowed 
Jacob, this scrappy wrestler, to wrestle him all those hours. But there comes a point in time when the angel had to really show him who was boss. Did you ever do arm wrestling with, with children when they were little? I used to love doing this. You know, you kind of come to the kitchen table with your four-year-old. You know, you're going to pretend to arm wrestle them, and you kind of let them win for a little bit, and then you show them who's boss. <laughs> I used to love that. I'm pretty sure my son could beat me now, so I don't invite him to arm wrestling matches anymore. Maybe the angel had allowed this wrestler, Jacob, to wrestle with him for hours before finally he touched his hip socket with some kind of divine power, and he put his hip out of joint as if to say, I'll show you who's boss, young man. And he injures Jacob in this moment. Verse 26, then the angel said, let me go. For the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And here the camera zooms in to the face of Jacob, the usurper, the supplanter, the schemer, the wrestler. And we realize what this man has really been wrestling for his whole life. He just wants blessing. He just wants the reward. And when I zoom in on his face in this moment, I see a man who's been wrestling all night. But really, I see a man who's been wrestling his whole life, even from when he was in the womb. And he finally has this divine being pinned, so he thinks, And he says, I won't let you go. I won't miss this moment, this encounter with God until I get what I've been wanting and longing for my entire life. I won't let you go unless you bless me. Verse 27, the angel said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Now, there's an important thing happening here culturally that we may not see upon first reading this. In this culture, to name something is to have authority over it. Think of Adam and Eve in the garden when, Adam, or when God asked Adam to name all the animals. God gave Adam dominion or authority or lordship over the created world. And so to name something is to have authority over it. So just like a moment ago when the angel touched the hip socket of Jacob in order to show his divine power over him, he'll do it again by renaming Jacob with a new name. No longer shall you be called supplanter, wrestler, schemer. You shall now be called Israel. You've been wrestling, Jacob, with people your whole life, but now you have wrestled with God, and you have a new identity Now, this is fascinating to me in verse 29. 
Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. I think Jacob was trying to scheme his way into one more blessing, one more thing. Tell me your name. And he's trying to grab the heel once again. He's trying his schemes one more time. But the angel says, why is it you ask my name? No, 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 no. You don't get to rename me here, Jacob. Something is happening to you. Perhaps for the first time in your life, you're not in control. You're losing this wrestling match. You will be renamed and changed. And there it says at the end of verse 29, he blessed him. Finally, he gets the real blessing he'd been longing for. Verse 30, so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Zoom in again on our main character, and do you see him for the rest of his life? Every room he limps into. Maybe his old friends say, Jacob! And he says, I'm no longer Jacob. I'm not that guy anymore. I'm Israel. And Israel knew for the rest of his life that he basically had two options. He can wrestle with God or he could wrestle without God. And Israel was one who wrestled with God, who knew him, who was blessed by him, who was humbled by him. I had an experience in college where I was wrestling with God a little bit. I had gotten my call to be a pastor when I was seven years old. But while I was in college, I had some theater professors who were telling me I should really consider a career in acting. Now, in hindsight, I realized that was never really going to happen. But for a moment there, I kind of tried on that identity. And I started thinking of myself as a famous actor. And that was it's funny, isn't it, Bonnie? She's <laughs> laughing at me. In hindsight, it's ridiculous. When I was 19 and 20 years old, it was really something I wrestled with. And something happened to me, I think, in the same way that the angel touched Jacob's hip socket and injured him. When I was a junior in college, having this wrestling match with God, I was driving my car one day. It was a stick shift. I came to a stoplight, put it in neutral. Next thing I knew, there was cars honking behind me. I had blacked out. Long story short, I was diagnosed with a chronic heart condition, atrial fibrillation. And I had to have two procedures in order to correct it. It took a few years, but by God's grace and healing provision, I've been symptom-free for 15 years now. But in that moment in my life, I believe that what was happening was similar to what was happening with Jacob, where God knew that he had called me into the ministry, but he knew that he needed to humble me. He needed me to have a limp. He needed me to know how much I depend on him. There was many moments in those early days when I would feel my pulse lying in my bed or sitting in the classroom or anywhere, really, and I would feel my pulse, and I would say, thank you, God, for this heartbeat. Thank you, Lord, that you've spared my life. Thank you, God, for this heartbeat. 
Thank you. Thank you, God. And to this day, whenever I feel my heartbeat, I'm just grateful to be alive. It's my limp. I believe that God loved me enough to injure me like he did Jacob. That raises all kinds of theological questions. Does God actually cause harm? I hope you'll discuss that over the dinner table today in your life groups. Does God allow suffering or sometimes cause it? Discuss. I know that in my case, he loved me enough at least to allow it. So I have a couple questions now for all of us. And then just some brief takeaways. Is there anyone here who's been wrestling for your blessing? Anyone here who's been scheming for your redeeming? Here's one takeaway. I can speak for myself, and I hope that it speaks to you as well. Stop trying to take what only God can give. Stop trying to take what only God can give. Jacob was scheming his whole life until he finally realized that when he was out of control, losing the wrestling match, then he received the real blessing he was longing for. Maybe somebody here today needs to hear that. Second takeaway is related. God has already given us the best inheritance. He's given us the best blessing our hearts could ever long for. Let me explain what I mean by this. When we are baptized, when we join the family of God, we join a new family. We get a new identity. We are no longer the old man or woman that we were before conversion. We are now members of a new family. And there is a firstborn son in our new family. The firstborn son of God is Jesus Christ. And you know what he's done? Because he's the firstborn son, he deserves the richest of inheritance. Imagine the inheritance you get from God the Father, the creator of the whole universe. He gets the best inheritance, but when he went to the cross to pay the price for our sins, he exchanged his inheritance for ours. That's one of the ways of describing what happened on the cross. Jesus, our brother, exchanged his inheritance, eternal blessing and reward for ours. He took upon himself what we deserve. So if we are in Christ, if we are in the family of God, not only do we have a new identity, we have the richest of inheritances. It's what our hearts long for. It's everything we need. We don't need to scheme or wrestle or usurp to get what we think we need anymore because we've already been given it. Here's what it says in 1 Peter to describe this. Can you put that up for me, Max? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So we don't need to scheme. We don't need to wrestle. We don't need to usurp. We just need to receive the free gift that Jesus, our brother, has given to us by his grace. Amen.